Greetings, and welcome to the RPG Review Board Podcast. You're listening to episode 13. In this episode, we join two of the judges in chambers. We listen into a conversation in progress, in which judges Adam and Nathan talk about solo play and other ways to engage with the tabletop RPG hobby when you're by yourself. Join us as the board convenes in support of the betterment of tabletop gaming. Come now, the honorable representatives of the RPG Review Board. Um, ironically, it takes two of us or more to discuss solo RPGs, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I wanted to get together with another judge and just sort of chat about the idea of playing RPGs solo by yourself. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I think the idea is maybe foreign to people who are not, you know, in the hobby but it is possible. In fact, it's a lot of fun and can be pretty rewarding as well. One of the ideas that I jotted down was that it sort of can serve a dual purpose. If you need to scratch that RPG itch and you don't have your normal gaming group around, it's a great way to, you know, engage with the hobby, but you can also create events that can be mined later as resources when you're at the table with your friends. Particularly if you're a GM, you know, it can create events that you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. I'm going to tuck that away for later. So that's a, a fun way to engage with it as well. One of the other thoughts that I had was that it kind of teaches good RPG etiquette as well. Uh, one of the notes that I had was that it's kind of hard to cheat. And if you do cheat, you're only cheating yourself. And it's also sort of hard to argue with a GM that can't argue back. So those are some of the things that I noted that uh, can be beneficial from from playing solo RPGs. You know, I've uh, played a few solo RPGs and I always find the experience really rewarding. I think one of the things that I really like about playing an RPG, you know, by myself, kind of, you know, in your own head is just the introspective nature of it. It's almost like a like a meditation on a, on a character. So you really get to know uh, the character that you're playing as and and kind of, you know, the custodian for as uh, as they make their decisions and everything. So it's uh it's it's a really neat experience and I like it a lot. Yeah, and you and I both are readers as well. We read fiction and a lot of time we read fiction that takes place in very similar worlds that we role play in. Fantasy is a great example. And it definitely uses a different part of your mind than reading fiction. If you're playing a, an RPG, it, it uses that other half of your brain that normally lays dormant when you're just passively reading. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, I mean, it adds, um, you have, you have agency, right? Mm -hmm. As a reader, you're a passenger in, in someone else's head or in some omniscient narrator's head, right? So, uh, you're watching things unfold when you're playing a solo RPG, not unlike those old choose your own adventures books, you have some sort of agency that allows you to affect, you know, the storyline and ultimately you're responsible for the storyline. Uh, so you have even more agency than those choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, and what you were saying earlier really resonated with me. We recently started up a new game that you're running for us for a different group of nerds. And I found myself trying to help a friend of ours who was not as experienced of a role player build his character. And he, he was having a hard time like connecting to the character that he was building beyond just the stats on the character sheet. And mm -hmm. I encouraged him to think about how his character that he had in his head would react to, you know, the three pillars of D and D, right? So his combat, how it react to combat and social 
uh, engagements and exploration. And that really helped him sort of flesh out the character in his head and, and no better way than to actually play that character through some solo RPGs. And effectively, that thought exercise was playing a little RPG in his head in a lot of ways. Yeah, and so in in many ways, uh, a solo RPG is essentially just taking that process and codifying it in some way. So you get yourself a rule set and you just kind of agree to play by that rule set and you have an adventure of some kind. We have several examples of different solo RPGs that all, they, they take a different tack on that. And I think they're all really interesting and they all bring something unique. Yeah. And there are several companies that develop purpose-built solo RPGs. And I have some that we want to talk about, but you, you've got one that I've never played uh, can you talk about that one a little bit? Yeah, so the one that I have the most experience with and is sitting in front of me right now is Thousand-Year-Old Vampire. And uh, I've seen this reviewed online in a few different places, and I backed the Kickstarter for it. I really enjoy it. Essentially, the the plot of the of the game, if you will, is that you are essentially, well, you're a vampire. You are basically documenting this vampire's life as he lives through, you know, a millennia. It doesn't have to be a thousand years, but a very long time. So the the mechanics of the game are that you have, the book has several hundred prompts, and you roll a d10, you roll a d6, you subtract the d6 from the d10, and you advance that many prompts in the book. Now, that could mean that if you roll particularly low on the d10 and high on the d6, you could go backwards, and that's okay. Uh, not all not all lives are linear. They, they meander through time, right? Uh, so you might revisit a prompt that you visited earlier. And in fact, because of that reason, each page has three separate prompts on it. So when you visit a page, if you've already visited the page you've already done that first prompt you move on to the second one on the page and oftentimes it it dovetails in some way into the first one but you kind of meander through the book and as you go through the book you live the life of this this immortal vampire who yeah has has his own adventures and has his own needs and wants well first of all it sounds like it has a lot of replayability as well um just by the nature of the the design but it also kind of makes me think that in a lot of ways it's you sitting it's the interview with a vampire right you're sitting down and with a smoking jacket in a parlor and he's telling you his life story and he goes oh yes i rem i'm reminded of a time when and he tells you the story of this thing that, that yeah yeah him. it's it's very much like that but not so rather than say an interview it's 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 more like you discovered his diary Right. Oh, and in okay. fact, in many ways, it actually tells you to, you know, write down answers to these prompts and such. And you actually compose this vampire's diary. You also keep track of important inventory. And there is a mechanic in here for how much your vampire can actually remember. And that's why he keeps a diary so that he can remember things that don't fit in his not quite human brain anymore. You can via prompts in the book you can lose parts of your diary and you can lose these memories so you might be carrying around well in my case it was it was an old longbow but my guy didn't know why it was important to him he just knew that it was important in some way but he had forgotten why it was important to him that's yeah that's so so fascinating it sounds like a really a really good way with light mechanics to to sort of build a fully fleshed out character over the course of a long play session multiple probably yeah yeah i uh i usually take a couple nights to do it if i'm gonna do it and 
yeah, it's over time you really build a lot of interesting nuance and a really interesting story. Usually the prompts are all really well thought out. You know, the rules say you should respond to the prompt in some way. And then sometimes it'll say you gain a resource of some kind. So maybe that's you know, a servant, or maybe that's a particular artifact or something, or you lose a resource of some kind, or you lose memories. And, and so as the game goes on, you, you develop this well thought out and well seasoned character that I think is really interesting. And you kind of play up till his untimely or maybe timely demise. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Second death, final death. Yeah. So to speak. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Really cool. And, you know, light dice mechanics, so you don't have to get concerned about learning a new system per se, right? But still still really creating some really cool fiction. Yeah. As I was kind of saying earlier, you, you answer these prompts, you are encouraged to essentially write diary entries for these prompts, right? So... Yeah. Um, just flipping open to a random one here. Your servants are numerous, enthusiastic, and sometimes useless. Create a skill based on a memory. This is the skill you use to control them. So in this case, uh, you're gaining a, gaining a particular skill. You're, you're controlling servants with that skill. And so that is the second prompt on a page where the first prompt establishes that you have these servants. But you can see how, based on that, you might write a particular you know, diary entry about a particular day where you, you learn that these, these servants, these cattle respond to you in a certain way and you develop a, you develop a character that, you know, has these servants that, that want to do his bidding throughout the years. And the third prompt on that page is interesting as well. So, yes. Yeah, so go buy it at your friendly local gaming store and uh, check it out. That's I right. Yeah. It's really neat. Well, that, that reminds me, it's a great segue into a similar solo RPG that I have played. And it is a little bit more board game component heavy than just a book. And it is Barbarian Prince. And this is a small box game that came out in the 80s, early 80s. And I didn't know about it then because I was but a small boy in those days. But recently, I say recently within the last, I think, maybe five or ten years, mm -hmm. there's been a fan recreation. The... Uh, the information that's out there is actually freely obtainable. The company that owns the license for it went under. You just can't profit off of it. But you can go find these PDFs. And there's been a fan-made PDF where it collects all this stuff and organizes it a little better than it was originally in the 80s. And it's more like a hex crawl of when you think barbarian, think more like Conan style, right? Who probably has levels in rogue as well, right? Um, yeah. So he has all these different skills. And you hex crawl out of slavery down south through this enormous hex map and you have adventures along the way by rolling dice and figuring out what happens and you've got to feed yourself and you've got to feed your you know people who are traveling with you and you've got to fight and and uh, decide what you're going to do uh -huh. through all of these different prompts and of course there's there's maybe even thousands of these prompts it's a huge book if you were to print it all out and similar to thousand year old vampire while it doesn't necessarily encourage you to keep a diary i went and found this the box of when i played it last which was probably 
I don't know, five years ago or so. Uh-huh. And I, I had kept a diary written in first person of what my barbarian was doing to remind me which hex I was on and what had happened up till then. So as he sits down by the campfire at night, it says, you know, ran into a, a, a group of bandits. They tried to, you know, steal my food rations and I had to cut them down. Now I'm on the run for manslaughter and have to, you know, move west instead of north, which was my ultimate objective. And so I got to skirt the city guard or whatever. Yeah. Which I thought was really fascinating. It was really cool to look back on on that diary. So I'm glad I kept it. I'm glad that modern solo RPGs encourage that because it makes a really cool an artifact left behind of that of that session. So yeah, Barbarian Prince is another one that I would check out. And it is a, a purpose built solo RPG. It's meant to be played by your by yourself. And if you like writing, you might also like this other recommendation of mine. It is technically an RPG, but it actually is a game called Quill, wherein, uh, in fact, the subtitle is a letter-writing role-playing game for a single player. And so it has rules that say if you can incorporate the following words into your letter, it tells you the purpose of the letter, um, then you score certain points. And your character has three different attributes and allows you to roll D6s and, and it allows you to sort of try to work through what they call the ink pot, which are these like words um, that you must use in the in the letter and then based on how you perform by writing that letter it sort of lets you know how good that letter or how well that letter was received by its ultimate recipient and you get a score based on that interesting so you have different uh different things that you can lay on top of it there's a noir version there's a fantasy version a bunch of different yeah that's what i was that's what i was about to ask is it uh is it are these letters like oh johnny please come back from the war or they uh you know how are how are these letters in nature, you know? So out of the core box, there's just a, a lot of really good, like, variety. Um, but it is sort of based in sort of this medieval where you're not sending LOL emoji uh, sure, smiley yeah. face. Yeah. And so it's where letter writing is the way that you correspond with people that you're not talking uh, face-to-face to. So in the core book, it's kind of based on, you know, feudal England kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you can get one called Coal and Parchment, where it's different dwarf society, dwarven societies that are sending letters to all these other other areas to sort of you know, get mining rights or what, you know, dwarves, uh-huh. whatever dwarves are going to dwarf. Yeah. There's a noir one that's more mysterious. There's a love letter one, which would be great for Johnny coming back from the war. Um, there's all kinds of different options. And most of those splat books um, are pay what you want on drivethroughrpg.com. And uh, the core book with the rule sets a buck. So check out that book because it is a really compelling way to be the author of that of that fiction so we're talking about thousand year old vampire keep a diary barbarian prince where i made a diary to keep track of my character and here this is just straight up a diary game yeah i like it yeah it's really cool um and so in the more traditional like rpg fronts if you were to google it you will find many options i'm going to rattle off some names and i'll see if you've ever engaged with any of these one of them is called rocket dungeon and basically it is um it's a pdf that you can fold up into a little book it's like eight pages long and if you origami it just right you can create yourself a little book out of one page of paper and you flip through it and it gives you instructions on how to create a dungeon room and each each new engagement is a new room that you take your hero through and your hero has stats and you roll dice to see how they basically fight through this dungeon that's pretty neat 
And it fits in your wallet. So yeah. that's always a great one. If you have a D6 in your wallet on you, you can play some RPGs. And there's also some fully-fledged solo RPGs, including one called Iron Sworn, which has been bookmarked on my drive through RPG for a while, and I think it's really interesting because it can be played with a GM in the traditional way with a bunch of people sitting around a table. It can also be played co-op or even solo which I think is really interesting. And that one um, has great reviews, but I can't speak to it personally. But it is a traditional fantasy RPG that is built specifically with rules for solo play. Yeah. And then I know that our good friends over at Sit Down and Shut Up have reviewed Artifact as well. Is that something you've come across review-wise or other any other way? I ordered the electronic version. I haven't played it yet, but I can speak to it a little bit. Basically, you're playing as uh, some sort of artifact rather than a character. You're a sword or something, right? And it's kind of your tale through the ages. And one of the things I think is really neat about it is that after you finish a particular prompt, a certain amount of time will pass. You know, maybe the soldier that was carrying you was killed. And so you sit in the mud for a month or maybe a year or maybe thousand years before you're dug up by an archaeologist and the game comes with comes with music to play uh, for each of those time periods so after you finish a prompt you get this really beautiful soundtrack to listen to and really kind of reflect and let time pass so you know if it's a day it's a real quick quick number and is over very quickly but if it's a millennia uh, it's you know a several minute song that that you should sit and listen to and just kind of soak in the ambiance, right? And uh, really feel like time has passed before you're picked up again by somebody else. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, really cool elements in that. Number one, just the idea of, of role-playing as something that's not a humanoid. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, uh -huh. an art an artifact. That's, that's really compelling as well. And then, of course, being made in the modern times, throw an app on it and uh, add some really cool ambiance. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. Well, in addition to actual purpose-built solo RPGs, there are some that are designed specifically for cooperative play. And of course, board gamers know this, but anytime there's a cooperative option, that also means you can play it solo. Some of the ones that I thought of, and perhaps there are many more, number one is a one called Four Against Darkness. Yeah. Takes like your standard four tropes that a fantasy RPG would have, and it gives you one of each, and you set off on an adventure. And it has a rule book that takes you through if you did this, then you go here, uh, very much like a choose your own adventure, but with a level of complexity that allows you to, you know, roll some dice and engage with the fiction, uh, make some really creative and interesting decisions, and, and decide for yourself which of multiple characters you may want to put in harm's way in certain scenarios. So if you've got to pick a lock, you've got a guy for that. If you've got to hit somebody with something, sharp and shiny you've got a guy for that so it's really interesting um i've played through it once and i did not do well <laughs> but it made <laughs> me want to jump right back on that on that horse now our board gaming group also has played one which is a, a card driven rpg with an app called expedition and i think you kind of helped run that for us once you yeah. want to get an overview of expedition for us yeah expedition i think is really neat it's so when you buy expedition you're going to get a box of cards and those cards have spells and attacks and such on them they come in a few different varieties uh so there's like a ranged attack a melee attack and a couple other different varieties and depending on the class you play you build a little deck out of a certain number of the each of those types of card 
So if you are playing the wizard, you're going to have a lot of the magic cards. Whereas if you're a fighter, you're going to have a lot of like the melee and the ranged attack cards. Then you get out your cell phone, you download the free app, you tell it how many people are playing, which can be from one to uh, a lot. I don't know what the top end is. And it will give you a list of adventures that you can play. And the app actually guides you through play so everybody uses a d20 and they roll attacks against monsters and you tell the app you know how much damage you did it tells you how much damage the monster did back to you and in between combats you have essentially kind of a choose your own adventure game right you you read out the prompt you decide what you're going to do you tell the app what you're doing and it moves you through the story and kind of GMs the story for you. And I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun and it's a way for especially people like me who are usually the, the DM or GM of a game. Um, it's a way for me to take part in playing as well and be just as surprised as everybody else is at some sort of twist and turn. The other thing I like about it, too, if you are a GM like me, you can go on their website and you can actually write your own adventure and publish it in the app. Yeah, that's that's a really cool feature. And if I if I remember this game correctly when we played it, there's there's aspects of it. I think during like the combat or during like the actual like the intense moments that's not quite real time but but kind of real time and that during this, you know, while the music's playing or whatever, you're you're playing cards from your hand and things are happening almost in in real time. It's it's like a timed turn based. Everybody's going to take an action. Uh, but you have X amount of time to decide what that action is going to be. So you're not allowed to look at the cards in your hand. You actually just kind of like draw the cards so that you have like the the X number of cards you're going to pick up and look at. And then somebody hits the button on the app and it gives you a certain amount of time. You take up your cards, you look through them as quick as possible. You choose one, you have to kind of like windmill it onto the table before time runs out. So it's turn based, but there is an element of pressure there uh, so that you get a little bit of you get a little shot of adrenaline whenever you're in combat yeah that's the part i remember like being excited for and it's a little nerve-wracking but in a very fun way i i couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was but it, it also feel like there were leads to some really interesting situations where it's like oh no i was gonna do that oh shoot you know we doubled up on on this monster and killed it really bad but now this other one is unharmed you know that sort yeah. of thing. So it, it makes for some really fun gameplay that way as well. Another cooperative storytelling game that we played in the early days of COVID remotely was one called The Long Year. Do you remember this guy? I do. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So in this in this one, you're not playing as one or even, you know, four people. You're playing really collectively as an entire community, right? Uh -huh. And so you're deciding collectively what actions you're going to take as a community to rebuild from, you know, the apocalypse or, or rebuild from whatever it was that, that uh, put you in the state where you're basically destitute. And you've got to decide, you know, hey, we do some exploring. And when we explore, we find X and... And, okay, it's a windmill. Do we decide to devote resources to, like, repairing this windmill or that kind of thing? And it plays over the course of an entire year, which is really kind of a cool mechanic. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it is that it's another one of these games where... Uh, one of these narrative games where it doesn't shoehorn you into a particular into a particular play style or a particular genre, even. You know? So... 
when when you say you know we go out and we find something a player gets to make the decision on what what did you find you know and so i think in our game it was like an old power station or something right and so now all of a sudden oh we're playing in like a post-apocalyptic you know thing right and we hadn't even really established that until that point so i really like how the game lets you you know kind of drive the narrative that way could have just as easily been the ruins of an old castle or a spaceship or yeah. heaven knows what it could have been so. yeah exactly so that's a good one and it's a great way the cards again the rules uh can play through with a deck of cards and they sort of drive the types of events that happen and so you shuffle those up and you flip them over on your turn and things happen and you react to them and you react to them as this big community of people and you all kind of are are sort of playing collectively as this same community. I think that's really cool. There's not a lot of armchair quarterbacking that happens because you can collectively sort of decide or you can split your attention between multiple projects and perhaps they just won't advance as fast if you devote your resources that and way. I, and I do enjoy how even in that situation, characters still develop, right? I think uh, mm-hmm. I ended up kind of being the warmonger of our of our group. I was always yeah. at I was always advocating, you know, let's go take over that nearby town, you know. Uh, yeah. So so even though you know you're not necessarily explicitly playing, I am this person because you are in a even in a more abstract way playing as the leaders of this town. You can still kind of like you know have your own agenda and try and push it, which is kind of fun. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. And highly suggested. Um, so, so another aspect of solo RPGs is really what you're seeking. If you want to play an RPG is just somebody to fill that role of the person sitting in the GM chair. And there are options for that, even with your favorite, um, RPG system. Um, one of the ones that always bubbles to the top of Google searches for this is uh, as a document called the Mythic GM Emulator. And it does exactly what it says on the tin. Take whatever system that you want to play and decide what you're going to play, and it will make decisions for you about the types of encounters that you should be having and even answers to questions about that encounter as it as it sort of creates itself through die rolls. And what I think is really interesting about it is, number one, that it's universal, and number two, it can be played with no adventure in mind and it will manufacture one for you. The other thing that I think is really great about it is that it can also take you through an existing uh, adventure book. So let's say I just bought, how about Curse of Strahd? I'm playing fifth edition and I just bought the Curse of Strahd book, but no one wants to play it with me. I could take that book and the GM, the Mythic GM emulator document, and I could play myself through those adventures. And it's a way for you to, to play solo by just slapping on an extra document. Yeah, that's really interesting. I really like the idea that it is so versatile that it could run you through an existing you know, setting or, you know, create one for you. I think that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth checking out. I have a copy of it and I've not used it, but I thought it might be a cool way to be like, well, everyone agrees that they want to play this game, but no one's volunteered to run it. Well, here's a way to, to have someone virtually sit in that GM chair. There's a couple of other ones that I've come across. I have used the next one on my list, which is one called the No Mates Guide to Rhesus. Rhesus is an RPG system, so you would only use it for the Rhesus RPG. But if you created a Rhesus character 
and it will do exactly what uh, the Mythic GM emulator does, and it would do it specifically for a Rhesus RPG. And I think that's pretty cool. Now, the, this one tends to focus a little bit more on combat. I think that's a little easier to sort of build dynamically. So if you wanted to do a little dungeon crawl with your Rhesus character, this Nomate's Guide to Rhesus is a great way to do that as well. And it's kind of like a, a light RPG anyway. So this just emulates a dungeon crawl for you yeah. in that system. Sort of a smaller scale version of this Mythic GM emulator are a couple of other ones that I came across where one of them is called Beavis or Bivis. I'm not sure which one, but this idea is like, okay, I have the encounter. I just need to ask, ask some questions about it. And this one will basically answer those questions for you and, and help you decide how to engage with that particular encounter. There's another one called Miso. And it does something very similar. So these last two, Beavis and Miso, are kind of like a, a light version of the Mythic GM emulator. But if you want the full-fledged thing, something like the Mythic GM emulator is, is my recommendation. The very idea of uh, a GM emulator is really rather, probably rather foreign to a lot of uh, role players. But I think, uh, I think everyone should give it a shot. Give it a try. Yeah, and there's a website also called RPGSolo.com, which does exactly what I've described. It just helps you build an encounter and then engage with that encounter. So that's another good a good option. Um, but there's other ways to engage with the hobby as well. So other similar RPG experiences, these are things that have RPG mechanics where a story unfolds and they react to your actions. You can level up. Um, some of my favorites are actually board games. And though Dungeons & Dragons isn't the only way to engage with fantasy RPGs, their adventure system games are based off of the 4th edition mechanics, which lend themselves very well to board game style games. And there's several in the series. There's Castle Ravenloft and Wrath of Ashardalon and Legend of Drizzt, which take you through a really fun dungeon crawl. And you can, you roll d20s, you attack monsters, you even level up when you get enough experience points, and you have these cool powers that you can use without the need of a GM. So there's lots of fun board games that you can play that give you sort of that RPG itch as well. Another one I enjoy, which focuses on combat simulation, is Dungeon Command. In fact, the Adventure System games actually come with cards for Dungeon Command in them. So if you're into Dungeons & Dragons, Dungeon Command, and their Adventure System games are good choices as well. Now, Nate, you talked a little bit about game books before. I have actually bought some modern game books. One that I backed on Kickstarter is uh, one called Melorum, and there's a second book mm -hmm. coming out in that series. And they are like your classic fighting fantasy books. And in addition to just saying, if you dive in to save the damsel in distress into the river, turn to page eight. But also there's stats and you roll combat dice against monsters and things like that. So I think that's a really um, fun way as well. Yeah. Have you played any of those books in recent memory? I haven't. No, I haven't played one in a while. I recently took advantage of some Amazon sales and mm -hmm. bought some of the Endless Quest books from Dungeons & Dragons, and they are your traditional choose-your-own-adventure. Really fun. Um, and give you a little bit more background about some of the classic settings for D&D as well, like uh, Waterdeep, and uh, give you the insight on what the Xanathar really is. Mm -hmm. That Xanathar, uh, namesake of Xanathar's Guide to yeah. Everything. And these have been around for a while. These fighting fantasy books, upon which a lot of the combat mechanics are based, have been around for a really long time. And so those fighting fantasy books, uh, Warlock of Firetop Mountain is the one that I think was the first in the series, have been around since 70s or 80s or whatever. And then, of course, I never fail to mention when I have the opportunity, my new calendar. Which I am incredibly jealous of. I wish I had this calendar. Yeah, it's called the Quest Calendar. It's a 
published by Sundial Games. And every day you just have a little encounter and you roll some dice. You have a character sheet you have selected from a, a list of, I don't know, maybe 10 different uh, different character types. And I'm currently playing through as a monk, a cat folk monk. And uh, today, uh, as I'm looking at my calendar, I am breaking into a noble's manor to try to find something, um, trying to break into their to their house and not get detected and get away scot-free with some information. A scoundrel. So it's really cool. And it has you keep persistent inventory and keep track of things. And on rest days, you can heal yourself. And it's really, really, really cool. And so first thing in the morning, when I sit down at my desk for work, I'm able to do just take like five minutes and run through a quick little encounter. And it persists throughout uh, the year. Really cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, Just looking at the website right now for it, I think it's... uh... I really like the artwork on it. Yeah, they did a good job. They sourced it from a lot of different artists, and the art's really fantastic. And, of course, that takes up the majority of the page. It's one of those page-a-day calendars, you know, so it's about the size of a of a large post. And uh, on the back, it, it gives you the information for the next day's resolution of, of your choice. I really like the, the example that they have shown on their website. Option A, take the offer. Roll D20 plus charisma. Option B, rob him. <laughs> Roll D20 plus strength. <laughs> Yeah. So all of all choices are available to you and you'll play to your strengths. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really fun one. Other ways to engage with the hobby. Well, as you know, uh, I'm big into my 3D printer right now. And so I'm, I'm creating these uh, minis. Mm-hmm. And I also really like the painting part of the hobby. And that's a sort of a solitary experience. No reason why you couldn't do it with friends, but it is sort of individualistic in a lot of ways. So you're just sitting there and you at the end of it, you'll have something that you can throw on the table. And, and when you are together with your friends, you can have a cool mini or terrain or map making, lots of different ways to sort of engage with the hobby that's not actually playing the game. So let me ask you, what do you, what do you do that's not playing an RPG when you're by yourself? Are you, uh, are you a painter or you make terrain or maps or what do you do? You know, when I'm, when I'm kind of just by myself getting ready for a game, I paint, I paint minis. I find that really fun and really rewarding. As you said, kind of a solitary experience, but I also, feel like it uh, there's there's something special about being concentrated on this one miniature in front of you for however long it takes to get a job done and i always have something really neat to show for it at the end of it i would highly suggest people should get into that hobby it's it's really fun i am by no means an artist but uh, you can still make some pretty decent looking figures just by putting in some time. yeah and the more you do it the more you see your skills progress and and it's always fun to know i painted that whether yeah. it's good or bad or whatever, it's yours and you have this sense of connection to the mini. And there's nothing wrong with just buying a mini or just using a die and say, that's me. Um, but it's kind of fun to have that extra element there um, and know that it's very personalized. Yeah. Now, you often are our GM. And a lot of times when you run uh, games for us, it's in your own worlds. And I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'd like to ask you about your world building techniques. A lot of this seems like they, they just pop into your head fully fleshed. And I'm sure that's not the case. I'm curious what your strategy is for, for world building. You know, as far as a strategy for world building, I think it needs to be based on a decent foundation. And my foundation comes from reading. Uh, I read a lot of fantasy books and, you know, you never want to, you know, just straight up copy something like I wouldn't just be like, all right, we're going to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And it's set in, you know, the book Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. That just that doesn't work. But what you can do is you can take some influences from them, you know, and keep in mind that all art is influenced by the art that comes before it. Right. So you can unabashedly take influences from 
books that you've read, movies that you've seen, and, you know, kind of take little nuggets of that and put it into the world that you're building. As for mine, usually it starts with just one, one thing, right? It just starts with the one thing and then you, you build off of that. It's uh, it, in, in many ways, it's almost like an alternate history. Like if you were to read like a man in the high, the high castle by, you know, Philip K. Dick, that's, you know, it's based off of one premise, the Axis one world war two. You know, and then it's, you know, the world is vastly different because of that, right? So I take, you know, a typical fantasy realm and I say, what if, what if sorcerers saw themselves as superior to everybody else and they ran things? And that's the basis of the world that I have you guys playing in, in our, in our other group. And it's a weird kind of almost dystopian fantasy world, but it's based off of that one nugget that one little kernel of like, what if this were true? And then you just take that to its logical conclusion. Really cool. So do you keep like notes to yourself or do you just file them in your head? Yeah. I, uh, word document. I actually have for this world, especially I actually have a a little document that I keep up to date. Whenever I think of something, I go, Ooh, that, that particular person is a crime boss and I'll write up a little blurb about them and, and put it in a, in a Google doc so that I have access to it when I need to reference it. And that's just largely just to help me keep names and, and characters straight and that sort of thing. I think everybody just has to kind of, you, you do what works best for you. For me, it's, taking taking quick notes and such my gming style is is i tend to think pretty fast on my feet so over planning is usually more of a burden than it is a help to me but your mileage may vary if you're someone who wants to have things kind of laid out then then you should absolutely do that and that's a that's a muscle that you've grown in the gym at playing and running games so perhaps you weren't always that way maybe you were but that's something that definitely the more you do it the the more you flex that muscle the bigger it gets yeah absolutely yeah well it always seems like even when we ask you a tough one it always seems like you know the answer so you're good at hiding it even if it is something you just came up with on the spot (laughs) my free advice for anybody that's you know looking at becoming a a dungeon master game master or even interviewing for a job or answering a tough question at work it's it's okay not to know the answer right away just say that's a good question and think about it for a minute it's yeah. it's okay to to give something due thought well yeah it's good advice and and really um when it comes down to it when you when you want to play an rpg by yourself there's a lot of things that you can be doing just sitting in a chair and thinking and world building is is one of those and i wanted to give that aspect alone its own sort of platform during this episode because what i always tout during our our recordings is that the world needs more game masters because the more game masters there are in the world the more tables of rpgs that kick off Uh because that's often the limiting factor so you know if you're interested in in that if you have thoughts about that then start to think about those sort of things and eventually you may you may find yourself uh in a position to run to run games of your own world's creation you know and and to bring this kind of full circle as well another great way of just kind of practicing your world building especially if you are going to be running a game or you are looking to or maybe trying to get ready for or train as as you kind of mentioned would be to play some of these solo rpgs because when you're playing a solo rpg you're you're it it's you in the book so Mm -hmm. um all the all the world building and all the all the extra filler and stuff that takes something from being a short you know three-word description of an action into a a fight sequence or 
all of that work you have to do yourself when you're playing a solo RPG and doing it in a solo RPG takes the performative nature out of it. You know, you can do it yourself. You can make mistakes. You can say, well, that wasn't very good. And the only person who has to know about it is you and you get better over time. That's a, that's a great point. And really, you know, that's when you're designing the car in your head and you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put it on the street right away. You'd take it for a test drive. And that's kind of kind of what you can think of it as. Yeah. So that's great. Well, I'm going to talk briefly about some of the resources I checked in on when we knew that this was our topic of conversation for this episode. And no surprise, Reddit is an absolute wealth of resources. There are two that I really enjoyed. One of them is r slash solo RPG play, all smashed together into one word. And then the other one is solo underscore role playing. So check those two out. I also mentioned one called rpgsolo.com, which is kind of like a GM emulator. Those are some of the resources that I used and would encourage other people to to check out when you're thinking about solo RPG play. And if that Reddit community is like any other Reddit community, they'll be very welcoming of someone new coming in and asking some questions. So uh, those would be great resources. And another valuable thing about playing a solo RPG is that you can practice your rules for grappling in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> 